Amen. You may be seated. Ladies and gentlemen, a cancer-free queue. Is this awesome? Is that awesome? It is awesome. It, it, it is, is awesome. It is. It's totally awesome. It's totally awesome. Oh, we're so very, very thankful. Well, <clears throat> open your uh, scriptures up with me to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. I'm not sure. Has anybody ever read the Bible here? Anybody see me? If you have read it, I tell you, there's their stories. It, it's it's absolutely awesome. Once you get started reading, it's like that's in there. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. So um, we're going to break into a story that I absolutely love, and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to our hearts and teach us something today, um, or or maybe for some of you, it may not be teaching. It may be reminding us um, about prayer. I'm going to read a lot of scripture uh, more than I usually do, but I, I want to read this entire story because it is, it, is just, it is just so good. It is just so, so good. What is it? What is it? It is just so good. I'm telling you. Acts chapter 12 verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw this, uh, met the approval. When he, okay, let me say, when he saw his polls went up, when he saw his polls went up, when he saw that this met with approval, when he saw that his approval polls went up among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happening during the festival of the unleavened bread. Now, he decided that if, if, they, if it was so good and they liked it so well that I just beheaded one of, one of, the, one of the big guys and I'm persecuting and imprisoning some other ones. If I take the big guy, Peter, and do the same thing with him, man, I tell you, it's going to be good. I'm going to be embraced by every, everybody. So he decides that he's going to do it. So he seizes Peter. He captures him, if you can get that picture. This happened during the festival of the unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four, listen to this, he didn't want Peter to get away. He's going to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers. That's, that's way more than, than you would need for one man. But he, he wants to make sure he gets him. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Now let me say something about that first. They were, they were during a time when there was, a, uh, there was the Passover. It was the uh, festival or feast of the unleavened bread, which lasted seven days. So all the Jews would come to town. They would have this festival, seven days, feast of the unleavened bread, Passover. And during that time, they could do nothing. He couldn't have, his, he couldn't have the trial. So you had to wait until after the, tri- or after the uh, festival 
before he could try him. So Peter is sitting in prison, awaiting. It's almost done. Tomorrow's the day. He gets to take Peter out. Now, look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but, and I want us to get this, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Get that picture. Suddenly, I love the suddenlies of God. How many of you know that God does things suddenly, but suddenly seem like they take a long time to get there? (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? It's like, I love the suddenlies, but I wish they could be a little more sudden. (laughs) But when he does it, it's boom. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone through the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. The chains fell off, Peter. The chains fell off, Peter. He didn't take the chains off. They fell off. Then the angel said to him, put, put on your clothes and the sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap yourself up in your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison but he had no idea what the angel was doing uh, was really happening. It's kind of like, am I here? Have you ever been in one of those moments? Have you ever been in that moment when you're, when you're laying in bed and you feel like somebody has just walked in the room and you think you're awake and you think something is happening but you don't really know if you are or not and then later you find out that you weren't? Nobody's ever done Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've done that. It's a freaky thing. Well, he didn't know, but it really was happening. They passed the first and the second guards, and then they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened by itself. Let me talk to my old people here for a minute. How many of y'all remember when you were kids the first time you stepped up to the grocery store doors, and they just went... Wasn't that fascinating? And we thought that was high tech. 2,000 years ago. Anyway. Look at verse 11. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know that without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and he rescued me from Herod's clutches and from uh, from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. This is getting interesting. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, mother of John, also called Mark, John Mark, where many people had gathered, where many people, many of the church people, many people had gathered and were, what's that word? Many people were gathered and they were worrying. They were gathered and they were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. He's home free, guys. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening the door and and exclaimed, Peter's at the door! Peter's at the door! Left him standing outside. 
they, they looked at her and they said, you are out of your mind. Peter is in prison. What are they praying for? You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. It can't be Peter. It's something, it's a ghost, it's an angel, it's, ah, but it's just not him. Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and they saw that it was him, they were astonished. Peter mentioned, or Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell James and, and the other brothers and sisters uh, about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Well, and then Herod kills the people who let him, what they think let him go. Get this picture. They're in the room in Mary's house praying. There's a knock at the door. Rhoda goes to the door and she hears Peter's voice. Let me in, Rhoda, let me in. And she's like, it's Peter. Our prayers have been answered. And she runs back in. And Peter's at the door. Be quiet. We're praying for Peter. Don't bother us. You see what I'm saying? It's like, don't bother us because we are praying. But were they expecting an answer? How often do we pray without really having an expectation that God is going to answer our prayers? I think fairly often. Now, here's what I want to do. We're going to look at verse 5, and we're going to kind of break this down for a few minutes. So Peter was kept in prison. And if you want to take notes, number one, for, you can write this down. Someone you know needs delivered from a prison today. Someone you know needs to be delivered from a prison today. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about bars. I'm not talking about in a jail. We all know people who are imprisoned to something. We all know people who are, uh, are imprisoned to drugs. They're imprisoned to relationships that are so toxic. They're imprisoned to the, the need to be liked by other people. They're imprisoned to finding their identity on social media according to how many friends they have and according to how many people love or like their status. They're imprisoned to that. They, they, they have no identity in Christ within themselves. They're imprisoned. I don't have to go over all the different ways of being imprisoned. We can be imprisoned to insecurity an insecurity that, that drives our life. An insecurity that can run so deep. We can, be, we, can, we can be imprisoned to so many different... Depression, discouragement. We can be imprisoned. And we all know people who are. Don't we? So if we all know people who are, then what would be the answer? You remember last week when I talked about the fact that that uh, from, from Joshua, that we have to, as God's people, come together 
in unity, take our prayers, attacking not each other, but attacking the enemy, and bring down the forces of darkness and take the territory that God has given us. And this is how we do it. This is how we do it. We go into that place where prisoners are held. We go into that place and we help deliver them. Listen to this verse. This is what Jesus said he came for. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And when I say proclaim good news to the poor, this is not just people in, in, in physical poverty. This is people who are poor in spirit. This is people who are poor in soul. There are people out there that don't know the Lord. And there is no greater poverty than to not know the Father of heaven as your personal Father. And to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And to know the Holy Spirit as the one who indwells you. There is no greater poverty than to know that you are completely and fully and always and never can't not be, never, ne- ne- never can't be, never, not, never, you're always loved. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. There is no greater riches than to know that every morning of your life when you get up that God is not mad at you, that you have put your trust and your faith in Him as your Savior. And and He is not mad at you, but He loves you. There's no greater riches than that. And the greatest poverty is to not know The greatest poverty is to live in your sin, never knowing that Jesus paid a horrible price on a cross so that we could be saved, so that we could be made rich, Ephesians says, rich in his grace. Take that person that you know, we all know, take that person that you know. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Not just prisoners in bars, though he did set Paul and Silas free, right? But people in prison that I just talked about that we know. Recovering of sight to the blind. There are a lot of people who are blind. And this is what I mean by blind. Your eyes are not truly opened. The, the, one of the Paul's prayers to the Ephesian people was, Lord, open the eyes of their heart that they may see. When Jesus comes into our life, he opens up the eyes of our heart, the internal eyes, the, eye, the spiritual eyes. And that's the reason sometimes there's such a clash in this world. Because... The world is blind. They don't see Jesus. They don't see the things that we see from a spiritual perspective. And so there is this clash that happens that cannot be avoided because until everybody sees or, in ever, or everybody's blind, there's going to be those issues. But we who have had our eyes opened and are no longer blind have been blessed to be able to see into a world that the rest of the world cannot see do you know how amazing it is that 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 God has given us the ability 
by opening the eyes of our heart to see into a world that the rest of the world can't see into a spirit world to understand why some people do what they do because there are demons at work behind them we can't do that if we're blind y'all with me I just want to make sure there were still people out there. I just, it's a little bit quiet out there. Um, number two, when the church earnestly prays, did you notice that word where he said so that when Peter is kept in prison, the church, the church, us. This is not just individual. This is us as a body and parts of parts coming together in prayer for something that they prayed earnestly praying to God for him. Number two, when the church... Uh, when the church earnestly and persistently prays, big things can happen. Big things. How many of you think that's a big thing we just read? And if you read all through the book of Acts, we see big things happening. Why? Because they prayed together. They prayed in unity. They prayed persistently. They prayed earnestly. This, this word earnest in, in, that's used that, uh, is translated right here. It means, to be, means intensely, strenuously, fervently, fully stretched, extended out to its necessary full potential without slack and without undue let up. What does that mean? That means that you're praying with such a fervency that there's no slack in your prayer. That you're praying with such fervency that everything about you is being poured into this prayer. Does that make sense? Not all the prayers that we pray are that intense. But sometimes it calls for intensity. And for some of those people who are, who are bound, some of those people who we know who are in prison and need to be set free, it's going to require an intensity. It's going to require some of us get together, four or five people. It, I mean, you, you need more than one. You need a few people around you, and you need to make sure they're people who pray and not gossips, okay? And so, because gossiping people are not going to help you at all. You need people who will pray in faith, believing. And so you find you some people, and you begin to pray, and this is what you do. That person that is on the other end, We've got a, you've got a friend who is addicted to drugs, can't seem to get off. What do we do? We talk about them. We talk bad about them. We talk about what all they're doing. Or do we attack the demon in the name of Jesus? We bind you, Satan, and you demons that are coming against my friend. We're binding you now, and in Jesus' name, loose the power of the Holy Spirit upon this person. Bring conviction. Bring freedom. Bring what we need to bring. And you attack, and you attack, and you attack, and you attack until freedom comes. Here's what we do. I prayed for a whole month and nothing happened. Ain't no mama. Ain't no mama ever said, well, I prayed for a month and my son didn't get set free, so I 
We need the tenacity of a mama who prays and prays and prays and prays and prays until the very last breath of that boy because she knows that God can still set him free. And he may have been addicted all of his life and he may be 75 years old and she may be barely hanging on to life, but on the lips of that mom, she's still sitting there saying, God, save my baby, 75 years old, save my baby, save my baby, break this addiction off of him and still able to see it happens before he leaves this world it may be the last thing that he ever does he may be laying in a hospital bed ready to die and and and, and somebody and oh i gotta share this this is just somebody needs to lead him to jesus and please do not leave it up to the preacher We are children of God. And every single one of us should be able to sit down with somebody who doesn't know Jesus and lead them to Him. And there is nothing more special than when you get to be the one to lead a loved one to the Lord. I had a father call me once. And ask me, would you come? My son is. My son wants to get saved. Uh, would you come to our house and 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 talk to him and pray with him? And I said no. I'm sure that I seem like the worst man on the face of the earth at that moment. But here's what I told him: You know Jesus. You know how you got saved. And you can tell him how you got saved. And he can get saved the same way you got saved. And I'm going to tell you for the rest of your life, for the rest of your entire life, you're going to have the memory that you led your child to Jesus, not the preacher. I don't have any special sauce. I can't make somebody more saved than you can make them. Does anybody listen to me? We all, if we're all going to pray, we all got to lead them to Jesus, right? And we got to pray like mamas. And that means we pray and we pray and we never give up. Because don't leave somebody in the moment. Don't leave them right in this moment of addiction. i tell you what I've learned. Let me tell you what I've learned you me tell you what I've learned? You might want to know what I've learned. Let me tell you what I've learned in 60 uh, or 58 years of life. <laughs> Let me tell you what I've learned in 62 years of life. There were times when I thought if it didn't happen right now, it wasn't going to happen. But after you've lived 62 years, you begin to realize that God can, can, God can, can work on things for a long, long time. Are you with me? God could work on things for a long, long time and bring it to pass. And so if it's not happening right in the moment, don't get discouraged and quit. Because I know it don't feel like it, but 20 years down the road, if that person, when that person comes to Jesus, it's going to be just as exciting as it would have been back then. You with me? Number 
<laughs> Somebody's keeping up. Number three, but uh, before I get to number three, well, let me give you number three. Don't think small when considering how God may answer your prayer. Don't think small when considering how God may answer your prayer. I think sometimes we get in trouble when we start trying to figure out how God's going to do it. And so we mentally limit our minds and our imaginations. And we limit our imaginations. There are moments when we need the imagination of a child. A child that, that you know, you have a child and, and they've got a friend. And they talk to that friend. And yet you can't see the friend. But that friend is there. And you can walk into the bedroom and they're having a little tea party with the friend. But you can't see the friend. Here's what I think. I think some of those friends, if we kind of look and we grin and we laugh, we see them sitting at their little teeny, their little teeny tea, tea table and their little teeny chairs. And if we could only see that there's probably an 18-foot tall angel sitting there in that little teeny chair sipping tea with that little child. They see things that we don't see because their imaginations are bigger and, and, and things that God can do can fit into their imaginations. As we get old, we get hard. As we get old, we get to where we don't believe in anything. We're so cynical. But a child still believes. And, and it takes that belief. And when, when we believe as a child, all of a sudden God can begin to do things. You see, this story that we're reading right now this story that we're reading right now is an awesome story. That is a, a child's imagination story. Am I right? Let me tell you how that. You me tell you what that story would look like if we, as grown-ups, were doing it. Here's what it would look like. It would start out, and it would say, you know, all the stuff that was going on, and then it would say, and they prayed that God would. Send lightning and destroy Herod and all of his people and all the people in the land that were not like them. And they lived everlasting ever after. And <laughs> Call fire on them. Just kill them, Lord. Just kill them. You could do that. But God didn't choose to kill them. God chose to send an angel to deliver his man. Our minds, our imaginations, don't let it be too small. Don't try to figure out how God's going to answer it, and don't tell him how to answer it. How many of us do that? I don't know about you, but I do sometimes. Lord, here's my prayer. And I just want you to know, no work on your end, because I've already got figured out how you can answer it. So all you got to do is just, right there, I got it for you. Nobody else ever done that? Don't think too small. God can do things. I remember, I remember when, I, when I got saved, and, and, and I'm telling you, I, I just got, I, when I got saved, my life just, took a 
took a complete turn. And so I was hanging out with some of my, some of my buddies who, uh, who were Christians and um, became, became better buddies uh, after I got saved. And so we would go to a revival. And after revival one night, preacher preached and he stirred us up on prayer and, and how God could answer prayer. And so, man, we were like, okay, we're going to battle. We are going to battle. We are going to pray. So we went back to, to his house and we we're praying about all kinds of things. I said, okay, guys, it's about two o'clock in the morning probably. Some of y'all have heard this. And I said, okay, guys, here's what I want you to do. My sister doesn't know Jesus. So I want everybody right now, I want us to pray this, this, this specific prayer. Point it. Be specific. I want us to pray this specific prayer. I want all of us right now to pray that, that, that the Holy Spirit will wake her up out of a dead sleep right now. And so, boom, we hit it. And we started praying. And all of us, we were actually, we were laying, we were laying on the floor, just laying there on the floor, just crying out to God as if, as if he was hard of hearing and, you know, he couldn't hear us. And probably all the neighbors could hear us. But the next day, I go home. The next day, I get up in the morning, and we're all kind of sitting around. And I, I'm sitting over. She's sitting on the couch. I'm sitting over here on this ottoman, and I'm looking. And I know she knows she's like, she's probably sitting there thinking, like, what is wrong with him? Because so I'm sitting there with this grin on my face. And so I looked at her, and I said, how would you sleep last night? And she said, why do you ask? And I said, how did you sleep last night? And she said, it's weird. She said, I woke up out of a dead sleep at 2 o'clock this morning, wide awake. I couldn't even go back to sleep. I don't know what. I, she didn't even finish. And I went, wow. I just started, thank you, Jesus. And here I am walking around the house. And you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, at this moment, the crazy one in the house, because everybody else is just now starting to kind of edge in toward the, you know, being like all in. And so I'm, I'm going around just screaming and crying and praising the Lord. And, and it wasn't too long after that that she, that she came to know Jesus as her Savior. But I think that was a point where a seed was planted and, and a realization that I, who would pray that prayer? But I did because I know God does things. He loves to do stuff like that. He wants to sneak up on people. You know the people that you want to get saved? Pray you'll sneak up on them. Right while, they're, right while they're sleeping, they wake up, they feel like somebody is, is looking at them. You ever had that feeling like somebody's right in your face looking at you? And all of a sudden they wake up, they don't see anybody? And then, and then you hear them say, I don't know what in the world was going on, but last night I felt like somebody was like right in my face. And you're like, I know who it was, it was Jesus. Let's ask him to do big things. Do you know what he does? He dispatches his angels. Do you know that he uses his angels to help you? Do you know that when we're praying, when we are praying for something just like he, this is not, it's just not like, oh, that was the Bible, bud, but not for today. No, this is, this is us. And when we're praying fervently, God can send angels to do things that we can't do. And he sent an angel to do it. I don't know in your life what, what, what there's been, but I, I know in my life a few times that I believe God looked over at the angels. I don't, know, I don't even know what all of their names are, but I mean, he could have said, hey, Billy Bob, get over here, bud, needs you. 
and, and he sends an angel. There was a time that Carla and I should have been in a head-on collision car wreck. When a lady, uh, probably, probably texting and driving, um, but she, we were coming around a curve, and she came around the curve, and she was headed, I mean headed straight head-on for me and Carla. And I just knew this is it. There was no place for me to go. Because over here on this side, this, this part of the road, had I gone over, she's still going to get me. Had I gone this way, there was an embankment. There was no place to go. And it was almost as if I just closed my eyes for a minute, just like, oh, ready for the embrace. Ready for the, for, for the, for the hit. And all of a sudden, it was as if her car, I mean, I didn't see it picked up. I mean, I'd like, you know, I could tell you that because I do have kids' imagination that her car levitated and moved. It didn't. All I saw, though, it was as if her car just went boop over into her lane. And it was impossible that she just did it by herself. God will use his angels. Do you know how many times I'm praying for my kids and I'm praying God put angels around their home? Lord, keep them safe. I don't know what all is going on, but out at, you know, I know it's a, it's an ugly world and crazy people. And so Lord, I pray, I pray this for all of my kids, put angels around their property, keep them safe, keep them strong, send your ministry angels where they're needed because God loves to do those things because he loves you. He loves you. Number four. When God answers your prayer, acknowledge it and give him the glory. When God answers your prayer, acknowledge it and give him the glory. I'm afraid that sometimes we pray, but we, we don't acknowledge it and thank him when he answers it. Does that make sense? Y'all pray for our little girl. She's, she's sick with a fever right now. And so you give, her, you give her some Tylenol. Her fever comes down. And you say, oh, thank the Lord for Tylenol. And God never gets credit for anything. See, you think, you think but, but, but it probably was a Tylenol. That's okay. How do you, you think Tylenol came I mean, in the beginning it was God. He didn't say in the beginning it was God and Tylenol. <laughs> right? So it had to, it, it proceeded from him. I know when Carla uh, had her brain tumor and we were all up here just praying for, for a miracle. And shoot, my desire was to... Uh, was to go back to the doctor and have an MRI done and them say, what? Nothing there. That wasn't what we heard. They said, wow, that's a huge tumor. Not what I wanted to hear. Not what she wanted to hear. But God worked it out and got us the two best surgeons in the world for that kind of surgery. One of them from 
Japan, and he brought his entire team with him, and the other from Duke, and he had his entire team with him, and and they they did that surgery and successful, and we're we're blessed and thankful. But can I tell you something? We every time we go back to Duke, we tell the doctor thank you, but we tell Jesus to you be the glory, to you be the glory. Because that doesn't happen without you. That doesn't happen without you. Is anybody with me? That doesn't happen without you. Now, one more thing. We're going to acknowledge God and his power in the work and what he's doing. But there are moments when we don't understand some things. Because at the beginning of this story, we read that James, the brother of John, one of the big three. You remember Jesus always meeting with Peter, James, and John? One of the big three is beheaded. And Peter is set free by an angel. There are things that happen in this world that we will never fully understand. And we can either rely on our little pea brains to try to figure it out or deny or get angry at God, or we can realize that there are things that we don't understand. But to those who love God, and are called according to his purpose, it's all going to work to our good. So give those things, give those things to the Lord and say, Lord, we don't know why James went on, but we thank you that Peter is still here and will still continue to lead. Are you with me? Are we ready to ask God for some big things? Are you ready to make a list, write down some things, get you three or four or five people, two people, five, whatever, and, 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 and agree together and start aiming prayers at those things and let's watch God deliver people from prison, open blinded eyes, and, and give people, make them prosperous in soul. Lord, we praise you today and we ask you, do what we can't do. Stretch our imagination. Help us see way beyond where we have limited you. Do your thing. Lord, we're going to pray, and we're going to watch you do miracles. In Jesus' name, amen.